Good morning again. How was everybody today? It, uh, it's, it's so good to be able to, to be back home and to, to be back here, here with you. I am, am so very grateful uh, for my, my friend Kurt Covington for stepping in and for, for preaching last Sunday. I know, I know, know, know that you were, were blessed and encouraged by, by him, and I'm grateful for his, his ability and his partnership in the gospel, and I'm thankful that he stepped in last week to, to preach over, over the, the last several months this, this summer, uh, the Eastridge Church has had a, a number of groups that have, have traveled to different places in, in the world, both here in the States and also, also abroad, in, in order to, to be able to, to minister in some difficult places. Uh, we had a group that went to, to Ghana in, in Africa. Uh, we had a, a group that went to Belize, a group that went to Impact Houston, uh, those that went to El Salvador. And, uh, and then recently, I may be leaving one or two out, but recently there was a, a group of 18 of us that went to, uh, to Cucatal, Colombia. Uh, the Hughes families and the Parga, uh, the Hughes family, Parga family, Hernandez family, the Nunez uh, family, and many of you are, are aware of the humanitarian crisis that is ongoing in Venezuela and Cucatal. The city of Cucatal is just a few miles away from the border of, of Venezuela. It is, it is absolutely awful, uh, and at the same time, absolutely beautiful. It, it's awful the way that the, the infrastructure of the country of Venezuela has just disintegrated in recent, in recent years. The estimates are there, there, there have been or are approximately 4 million refugees that have left the country of Venezuela uh, on on foot. I'm telling you, as we were as we were there in Colombia, even as as um, many of us went, traveled near the the border, there are there are people everywhere on on foot. I saw just I mean groups of people. You could tell it was there were families that are traveling, and they they have they have absolutely nothing. What they have, what they have is what they're carrying. I saw a family that was that was walking. And you could, you could tell it was mom and dad and kids, and all of them have backpacks on. And as I get a little bit closer to them, I can see that the mom, she's got her little kids. Each one of them has a backpack. She's got a backpack. And as we get a little bit closer, she is feeding a, an infant child. And they have nowhere to go. They're just walking out of their country and just trying to get to a safe, to a safe place. And I say it's awful and beautiful at the same time. Because in Kukatal, where we, we have a, a mission effort, there are four families, four missionary families that are a part of the Kukatal Church of Christ. And we, as a church family, we support one of those, one of those families, the Veelman family. Um, and it's almost as if, you know, years ago during the Syrian refugee crisis, Christians were asking, how do we, what do we do? How do we minister to people? How do we feed them? How do we give them medicine? How do we clothe them? How do we provide some sort of sense of normalcy or, or comfort? And really, there, there wasn't much of an answer out of the Syrian refugee crisis. And yet, with this crisis in Venezuela, um, we are, are strategically located to be able to, to care for. Uh, a week ago on Saturday, uh, the group of us who were there, we were a part of distributing over, over one ton, over 2,000 pounds of of food to these church leaders, 30 church leaders 
that had walked, many for days, and they had come across the border and they had made it to Kukata. And 30 church leaders, each who was provided with a 70-pound pack of food that they then carry back, some for days, that they then carry back to, not only to their families, but to their church families. And it, it, was, it was a significant thing for me because I'm looking at these ministers and elders, these men who are leaders in their church, and they are carrying this food back to their church families. They're providing for them not only spiritual food, but physical food. And that's something that, we, that we're a part of. And I am very, I'm very grateful for that. We're, we're the world is dark, darkest. God's light shines brightest. And uh, it was, it was a, a meaningful thing, too, to be there last Sunday. And for me to think, because the, uh, the time is the same there, same time zone. And so to think during the morning, uh, what's going on at Eastridge? This is what's going on during these times. And to, just to be, to, be aware, to be aware of that and, and aware of when communion takes place here as communion is taking place there and just that connection in the in the kingdom. I will say before, before we move on, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that we, have a, we have a campaign, we have teachings. I am, I am teaching and I am preaching my lips off for days. Not a single response. And then Sunday morning, Joe Hernandez preaches. Seven walk forward. And then the baptisms are going to take place at the river. By the time we get to the river later on that afternoon, three more decide to join. And so there's ten to be baptized that morning. They want Travis Hughes to, to baptize them because it's in the river and they figure he's the tallest guy there. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, the safest, that's, the safest, that's the safest bet. Uh, but uh, it is good to be back here. But it's also good just to consider the goodness of the kingdom. And how you and I, as those who are a part of the kingdom of God, we are a part of something that is, it is so much bigger than we are. Uh, I'm mindful this, this morning that uh, believers are, are worshiping in the parking lot of the Memorial Church of Christ in Tulsa. Because uh, this last week, their, their building um, was decimated by fire. And so this morning, they are, are worshiping in the parking lot. Even I saw a, a Facebook message yesterday. Make sure you bring your own chair as as they came they, as they come together today. As they are worshiping together today, um, they're in that place. You guys know some of my story. I God called me to be a minister at the Memorial Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and uh, He had been working on my heart for years. But I am in mean, calling me, but I answered the call there. And uh, and yet, when I think about the vastness and the wonder of the kingdom. It's a beautiful thing that we're a part of. And so with that sort of as the, the backdrop, and also thinking about, I, I know what Kurt shared with you last week in regard to the joy of the Lord and the joy that, that our God provides for us continually through Jesus. And also in an attempt to connect to what we looked at a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning as we considered servants, uh, being servants, as we considered serving God, that, that we serve and we follow a Lord who came to serve, not to be served. And as service is something that is to be definitive in who we are as, as believers. I thought it would be good today to talk about the why. 
the why, the why of, of why we do what we do. We look to Jesus and we know the, the commands of Jesus, the commands to follow Him, the commands to, to serve Him, and that's important. We follow the example of Jesus and, and we're no more like Jesus than when we sacrifice. We're no more like Jesus than when we serve. But why we do what we do? Because why we do what we do can be summed up in one statement. We do what we do for the glory of God. That gives us purpose, it gives us meaning, it gives us identity. We do what we do at the most basic of levels. We do what we do for the glory of God. Say that with me. We do what we do for the glory of God. Everything that we do, we do what we do for the glory, for the glory of God. And sometimes, sometimes we lose sight of that. It's easy to do. Sometimes, rather than being wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, sometimes we get wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in, in other things other than Jesus. Other things get in the way. Sometimes well-intentioned things get in the way. But we do what we do for the glory of God. And if ever we lose sight of that, Satan, at a, at a very minimum, if ever we lose sight of that vision, Satan at a very minimum, he diminishes the impact that we're to have upon the world. We're going to look at a few passages today. They'll mostly all be on the, a, a, the screen. You're welcome to turn there if, if you like. Uh, I'm just not planning on slowing down uh, very much. Uh, but the first consideration that I want for us to turn to or to, to, to look at, it's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And I just want to read one verse, even though there's so much here. And that's verse 14. John, he writes this about Jesus. He says, the Word, the Word became flesh. And He made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God describes God's perfection. It, it describes God's holiness. The glory of God describes God's perfection. That God is glorious communicates His deity, His power, His might. That's the reason why the spiritual truth of the glory of God is so often revealed in the physical property of light. You think about how in the beginning, in John here, in John chapter 1, he's echoing those truths that in the beginning, God speaks life into existence. And the first thing that God creates is light. And light is indicative of the presence of God 
so often throughout the biblical story. Think about Sinai as God descends upon Sinai. Think about Moses as Moses ascends Sinai. Then as he descends again and as he is among his people. And there's no doubt that Moses has been in the presence of God because the glory of God shines in the face of Moses. So much so that the people of Israel, they ask Moses, put a veil over your face. We can't handle the purity and the holiness goodness of God as it's radiating from the face of of Moses. Israel, the call of Israel is to be a light in a world of darkness. It's the same call that we have. The glory of God describes His perfection. His holiness. His goodness. That God is glorious defines His deity and his power, and his might. And so John says the same glory was, is, revealed in Jesus. Now the Apostle Paul will write something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. As he says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now he'll, he'll continue to write here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He'll say we have this treasure in jars of clay that demonstrates that this all-surpassing power, it's from God, it's not from us. This comes from God. This doesn't come from us. This is from God. This isn't something that we could attain or, or, or summon in and of ourselves. This is from God. This is from God. We may be hard-pressed but we're not crushed. Perplexed? Yes. But not in despair. Persecution may come our way, but God, God will not abandon us. We may indeed be struck down. But we're not in despair. Why? Because the God who said, let light shine. He's made His light to shine in our hearts. You see, it's the glory of God His perfection, His holiness, His goodness, His deity, His power, His might. And we know, we know that we are not holy in and of ourselves. And yet God, He steps in through Christ, through the gospel of Christ, offering us the gospel of Christ, calling us to respond to the gospel of Christ. So that we might be a holy people. We're not holy, but that's why God steps in through His Holy Son, Jesus Christ, and why He steps in in His Holy Spirit power. Because it's from Him. It's not from us. With me so far? How are we doing? Brennan Manning, in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, which is a phenomenal book, and if you know Manning's story, it's a phenomenal story. But Brennan Manning, he writes this, God loves you unconditionally. Now, we could just stop right there. But look at how he finishes the statement. God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be. Because nobody is as they should be. Folks, that's the gospel of Jesus. 
That's why good news is good news. That's why it's called That's why it's called gospel. If you're tracking with me say amen. That's why it's called gospel. God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be. Because nobody is as they should be. But then there's this shift. There's this shift from the glory of God, the glory of God in Jesus. There is to be this shift from the glory that's revealed in God and the glory that's revealed in the gospel, the the glory that's offered in the gospel, to the glory that we give to God. And that may be a strange sounding statement, but our giving glory to God. Not that we can muster any on our own, but to reveal and to reflect God's glory in doing what we do. 2 Corinthians 3 is a place that comes to mind where the Apostle Paul, he'll, he'll say, we with, with unveiled faces. You see, it's, uh, it's this image of Moses descending Sinai, but we with, with unveiled faces, we all reflect the glory of God. We through serving God, and in serving God, serving others, we do what we do for the glory of God. And if that's not the perspective that we have, it's no wonder that we find ourselves at times struggling in moments of clarity with our purpose or even with, with identity, the identity that we're to have in Christ. We sing the song, Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Jesus, we love you. We worship and we adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Magnify thy name. May your name be known through us, through our love for you. But I wonder if sometimes those just aren't words that we say rather than words that define us. Words that we live by. I wonder if we really mean it. How are the Father, how are the Son, how are the Spirit to be glorified if not through us? These are not to be just words. Their purpose and their identity. Sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes we get off track. And when we do, God's call to us is to reorient and to center ourselves upon His glory. Let me tell you about something that happened a, a few weeks ago. It's, it's, it's an event that over the last several weeks, I've just been thinking about more and more. It was on a Friday about three weeks ago. And I had been, I had been over here at, at, at the building. Um, it, was, it was Friday afternoon. And I, I go back over to the office and um, there is a a man on the porch praying in front of my window. I came in the back door of the, of the office, and he's on the, front, on the front porch. So I talked to the office staff, and it's the FedEx guy. And the, and the FedEx guy had come there in the afternoon on Friday, and he had delivered a package, which he, he does, and they, they do. And, uh, and yet he is uh, not of the, the Christian religion. He's of another religion. And he asked the office staff, would it be okay, could I have a safe place to be able to pray?
pray out here on the porch? They said, yes. And yet, where he chose was right out front of my window. For 30 minutes, he's out there. He prays. And then he gets in his FedEx truck and he leaves. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe in his religion. Right? His his religion and his belief system is, is not the Christian religion and belief system. So don't hear me saying that. But what I've thought about over the last three weeks is I've never done that. I've never asked somebody. I've never asked somebody, can I have a safe place for the next 30 minutes in front of your place of business, wherever it is, wherever I find myself? Can I have 30 minutes in order to to pray? I mean, sure, I've carved out time, and I carve out time for, for God. But I've never done that. And who knows? Who knows how God might impact later on this man's life by the kindness that he was offered, extended, by our office staff. His commitment is admirable, even if we by no means share his belief system. So my question is this. How do we have the intentional focus that God calls us to have? I think there's an openness that's required within us and a commitment level that's required of us. And yet, what is it that we focus upon accomplishing? And the answer is doing what we do for God's glory. Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he'll write this, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, whatever it is that you do in your life, do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. He'll write in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, All of this is for your benefit. Paul is saying, I'm doing what I'm doing for the glory of God and for you. All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace, I love this statement, the grace that is reaching more and more people, that that grace, that grace that, that transforms us, that grace that reaches us, that grace that impacts and influences and saves us, because we are only saved by grace through faith. The grace that is reaching more and more people, that it may cause thanksgiving, that's the goal, that it may cause thanksgiving to overflow, to pour out of you to the glory of God. Irenaeus in the second century, this is just a few years removed from the time of Jesus and the time of the apostles. Irenaeus in the second century writes this, the glory of God is man fully alive. Because so often... What we do is not live. We exist. But the glory of God is that we would be fully alive. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even agony into glory. Now how's that for some perspective? When we enter into the heavenly realm, 
as we enter into eternity, heaven once attained will work backwards and turn even agony into glory. As you think about your life right now, it may be that right now, things could not possibly go any better for you. That may be where you're at. Right now, things couldn't possibly be going any better for you. Everything that you do, do for God's glory. Live your life for God's glory. When you think about it, claiming credit for what God has done is a form of plagiarism, is it not? And so we are who we are because of God. You may have a life that could not be any better. Live your life for the glory of God. You might be in the middle of something right now. You might be in a place that you never thought you'd be, never would hope to be, never could have fathomed that this is where you'd be. Live for the glory of God. Heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even agony into glory. Because we do all that we do for God's glory. Whether, whether young or old or somewhere in between, all for the glory of God. I'm, I'm 45 years old. Now, whether you think I'm old or young kind of depends on where, you, where you're at on that spectrum, right? I mean, 40, 45, I would like to think 45 is middle age, but men in my family don't live to be 90. So I'm probably a little past. Whether young or old, and, and, and I guess that concept of young or old can be a little bit of a, it's kind of a relative sort of, sort of concept. You know how to tell the difference if you're young or old? If you're young... You're young if you fall down and people laugh. That's how you know you're young. When you fall down and people laugh, that's when you know you're young. When you fall down and people try to help you, that's when you're old. (laughs) That's the litmus test. But whatever your age, whatever your age, all for the glory of God. Are you rich? Are you poor? Does it depend on the weak? All for the glory of God. Are you single? Are you married? Are you divorced? Are you widowed? Is it complicated? All for the glory of God. Right now, are you taking care of a newborn day after day in your home? Or are you taking care of an ever-aging parent? All for the glory of God. Or even even being the person who as much as you hate it, you've gotten to a place in life where you're the one that's having to be cared for. All for the glory of God. Whether you're healthy, whether you're not healthy, all for the glory of God. Whether, whether you are, are cancer-free, and if you've had cancer in the past, you most likely know exactly how long you've been declared cancer-free. But whether declared cancer-free years ago, or maybe you've got a recent diagnosis, or even a not-so-recent diagnosis of something like cancer. All for the glory of God. 
all for the glory of God. You may, right now in your life, you may be doing exactly what you want to do. Or, or you may, as a young person, you may know exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life, or you may have no clue. You may be working in your dream job, or you may have just lost and been laid off from your dream job. All for the glory of God. Because that's gospel. And the glory of God, it defines God's perfection, His holiness, and His goodness. That God is glorious. It communicates His deity and His power and His might. And God's people, that's us, God's people are called to be servants. But servants who with joy point toward Him and do all that we do for His glory. Because that's what it's all about. And so what I'd like to do today is I'd like to conclude with with a blessing. And it's, it's a blessing that's found within the pages of, of the Bible. These are two of my favorite verses in, in all of Scripture. And so we're going to sing an imitation song here in a moment that Thomas is going to lead. And if, if you're inclined to respond to the Gospel of Jesus in any way at all, that's going to be the appropriate time to respond to the call of Christ. For prayer, for baptism, whatever in whatever way God might be calling you. But I'd like to conclude by, by doing this. I want to ask you to stand. Everybody, please, please stand. And before Thomas leads us in, in song, I want to read this, this doxology. It's the doxology that I read earlier out of, out of Jude. Doxology means a word of glory. And so I want to conclude our time with this word of glory, that this blessing might be a blessing that that God says over us through His Word. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's sing together.